Russ, good to see you. Would you like to introduce your friend? Constantine, welcome. It's good to have you here. But you don't get a lot of visitors first thing Saturday morning. So, always feel special. You know, I was thinking this morning, walking over here, that uh, God was impressed or liked that uh, when Solomon was being anointed king, that, um, that Solomon asked for one thing, and that was um, for wisdom to know how to be, how to talk with his people. He says, I don't know how to come in, and I don't know how to go out amongst your people. Man, was that ever <laughs> a real need for the, for the wisdom of God to know how to treat each other. That's what he was saying. I don't know how, how to minister to these people. <clears throat> the right, what the right thing is to say. And it's something that we need as soon as we wake up every morning, it seems like. Um, the, the, the knowledge of the work of God to know how to be with one another. Because otherwise we don't, we don't know. And so um, uh, let's continue to, as you know, we, we, as we do community, as we gather, um, you know, that it would not be our own understanding, but that it would be birthed from the mind of God. Um, because that does actually produce the fruit <coughs> that needs to be brought in our midst. Um, it produces the good results. Um, nothing else does. You know, there's a lot of other stuff. Um, but the real fruit comes from, uh, from the wisdom of God. That he, when he places something in your heart and we know how to express that. And I think that's what Solomon was trying to say, God, I'm, I'm at a loss here. Because this is a, a complicated situation, right? We're, we're something. Uh, but there is, there is a, a, a wisdom that comes from God that knows how to penetrate every situation and knows how to open things up. Um, so that, so that there's real answers and there's real fruit that comes from that and not just frustration and all the other things. But when the wisdom of God is speaking, there is uh, real peace and there is real things that happen that are at work and that are part of it or are the, the work of the Spirit of God in our midst and that's what he's performing uh, and that's what he's doing in all of this as we continue each day so um, you know the Lord is helping us in that area so we're open our hearts today Lord to, to receive from you Lord we're thankful that that you're with us Lord and for us and going Lord before us to to bring us closer to you each day Lord we thank you for that opportunity, opportunity that privilege that we have today Lord we come to you with open hearts, open minds, Lord, and ask you to, to speak to us today, Lord, to, to give us from your spirit, Lord, and uh, 
we receive from you today, Lord. We ask for every heart, Lord, to be touched, to, to receive from you, Lord, that there will be a seed planted, Lord, that, that would grow. Yes, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for that, this opportunity this morning, Lord, and we come before you, Lord. Amen. Let's go ahead and gather.
of you know, but Megan will teach it to you. It's pretty simple if you don't. We did a little while ago, um, and I had wanted to do it a couple weeks ago, and then it just keeps a reoccurring thing. But um, let us search and try our ways mm -hmm. and turn again to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Let us lift up our hearts with our hands. Right. Sorry, <laughs> lift our hearts with our hands unto God in the heavens and return again to the Lord. Amen.
Maybe I'll start by uh, reading something uh, from, um, it's not T.A. Sparks and it's not Oswald Chambers. Sorry. by A.W. Tozer. Yeah, okay. How many of you know God has a lot of children? <clears throat> he had to convey to Elijah, remember? That I'm the only one left. Nope. Uh, this is from uh, a writing of his called The Pursuit of God. Let any man turn to God in earnest. Let him begin to exercise himself unto godliness. Let him seek to develop his powers of spiritual receptivity by trust and obedience and humility. And the results will exceed anything he may have hoped in his leaner and weaker days. And then he goes on, he says, Among the famous sayings of the church fathers, none is better than Augustine's Thou hast formed us for thyself. And our hearts, I thought this was a very important line, our hearts are restless till they find rest in thee. And he talks about further that in the New England, an old New England primer, which used to be the school books they used way back, even before... I was born. What is the question in, in the school book? This is amazing, right? <laughs> if you consider where we are now. In the primer, it said, what is the chief end of man? That was a question. And the answer in the book was, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. How's that for a curriculum? <laughs> And then, I, this is from David to Gloria. <laughs> but I'm quoting John in Revelation, so it's not original. Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Um, I <clears throat> would like to say that Perhaps the restlessness that occurs in our hearts. And it's there. And it manifests itself in a lot of different ways. But the genuine restlessness that's in our hearts, the purest reason is that we are seeking to find rest in her. It's the only place where there is rest. And that's really what we were created for, was to find our rest in Him. And um, we, we do a lot of things, and a lot of activities, and a lot of endeavors, an industrious crowd, and I appreciate everything that all the saints do and occupy themselves 
Consider what thing is more important here. Well, it's the guys that are bringing home the money in the businesses. And then I considered if the afternoon dinner crew walked out and quit, they would be the most important people at six o'clock. Or maybe if the childcare folks decided to boycott, these children are too obstreperous. They'd be the most important. Or if we had a fire and the folks upstairs had to get out and keto and quit shoveling, he'd be the most important because they couldn't get out the door. So that's really a silly analysis, isn't it? What's most important? All the saints of God have a place and a purpose. But the restlessness and the main purpose in our hearts is to find our rest in the Lord. And really, God called us out. We were born again. We were born on eagle's wings. We've been carried. We've been filled with the Spirit. All those things God did. And that was, you know, just the beginning of the journey. You know, we're not unlike the children of Israel that started out on an 11-day journey because that was all it was going to really take if you were direct. I don't know how you are when you, when you travel or when you drive, man. If I'm driving to a destination, I don't care what's along the way. I like to get to the destination, right? The shortest, the best, the most direct. Well, what about the scenic route? Mm. I had some beautiful saints in Whitehorse communicate to me one time that I should go home from Whitehorse by way of Dawson City over the top of the World Highway. You will love it. Twelve hours later when I pulled home, instead of nine, and took my life and my family's life into my hands because it was raining the whole way and it was like a, it was a mud slick. It was all fogged in, you couldn't see a darn thing. You knew you were up high, but the only sense you had of being up high was that you could go over the edge and crash and burn. There arose in my heart a disdain for the brethren. Way worse for recommending that. Anyway. I prefer the direct route, and we, but we're not any different than, than the children of Israel, that perhaps there was a direct route, but God knew it was going to take more than 11 days for us to come around. And so they have them out in the wilderness all those years, wandering. And, uh, but I want to tell you, you're not wandering. And, and there was a few people out there that weren't wandering. They still had that destination in their heart. And if the destination isn't fresh in your heart, then get before God and say, God, I need a renewed destination and a clarity of purpose. I need it renewed in my heart. And you and I don't, because we had it once, that takes, a lot. It takes the uh, ongoing influence of the Spirit to keep that alive. And, uh, it wasn't any natural source that Caleb derived from that was enabling him to say, I'm ready to take this mountain. 
at 85. He said, I've got the same strength. Oh, really? That wasn't a natural process. That was uh, the influence of the Spirit of God because he continued in that relationship. So God is interested in us on this journey. And the start was our born-again experience and our being filled with the Spirit. And, and, uh, but really, that was just the beginning. And it's a beautiful beginning. But really, what he wanted to do was change us. So Timothy says it this way, uh, that the end of the command is, is charity out of a pure heart. And love unfeigned, and, and um, faith unfeigned. I better read it. The end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, and of a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned. God's intention was to bring us to a place where what came out of our hearts, and I think the key word there is out of charity, out of a pure heart. God's intention was to bring us to that same destination, and I suppose that, that He brought His Son, Jesus, to where no greater love is any man than He lays down His life. So Jesus finished His course on this earth, and, and you know, we, if we talk about um, charity or love out of us, it, I mean, it, we need to perhaps... Um, Conviction of the Spirit already working. We need to talk about perhaps just put it and talk about what that looks like. And um, so I'll just read a couple verses in uh, the Rome. Uh, I guess we could go to Romans five. Five, um, six. It says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Of course, then there's John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world. Have you ever considered the magnitude of that? God loved the world. We have a hard time with the small little slice of what we see in the world that bothers us. Because what's going on in the world is a bother. And we would call it a disaster. And, but it says God, knowing full well <laughs> what the world was, so loved the world. And the proof of that love is that He gave His only begotten Son. That's a love that is not naturally sourced for any of us. Um, like, I'm embarrassed to tell you that sometimes it's just a look that makes my love wax cold. Did you see the way they looked at me? (coughs) 
I'm just reading these things so that you and I can feel the weight of the impossibility of what God intends. Charity out of a pure heart. So I could read this because this always gets me. So misery loves company. So I'll read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envies not. Charity doesn't puff its, uh, vaunts not itself, is not puffed up, does not be, behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. You know, and it's like, those of you that remember William Barton, he used to say, enough! <laughs> enough! Charity never fails. So, um, I don't want us to misevaluate the restlessness in our hearts. It's not going to be cured by any external change. It's going to be cured because we find a rest in the very purpose that God intended from the beginning to bring out of our hearts charity, love, out of a pure heart. God wants that to come out of us. That's different than reading a Bible verse and say, okay, I'm going to go tell so-and-so I'm going to love them. I've been in a lot of churches where they want you to turn to the person next to you and say sweet things. And that's very hard for me to do. I'm in this giant church and I'm sitting and they said, turn to the brother next to you and tell him you look more like Jesus every day. It's the first time I ever laid eyes on this church. I just could not get myself to say that. Like I, I, I was certain I'd be lying. Because I don't know if you look more like Jesus or less like Jesus or anything at all like Jesus. And beside that, I didn't know if I was the right guy to evaluate any of it, right? So... I just turned to him and shook his hand and said, Hi, my name's David. What's yours? <laughs> One for Rich. <laughs> Actually, that was probably worth five. Um, but... The thing that is a burden to me, and I've heard it a few places tonight, and the thing that really I'm concerned about, and and if you want to pray for me on this long journey that I'm going to be taking, uh, really what I'm concerned about is uh, what comes out of me. Not what I can preach. Not how many Bible verses. I'm going to read more Bible verses or finish the message. I will, sorry. But what really is important to me, and Fabiana, I think, said it the other day in a conversation, yeah. use the word impartation. Yeah. I listened Wednesday night to Richard, and um, I, um, he wasn't flying all over the room and didn't have any props. But um, there was an impartation of a processing of the Spirit of God going on inside that came through. 
what you and I should really be concerned is um, what comes out really out of us. God's intention is that His love, <laughs> the love I just read about, the love we know about God's love, that is not sourced in any human agency, but actually would come out of us. And because more and more, really, uh, what matters is the impartation of the Spirit of God through human vessels. And um, <clears throat> so that's basically what I want to talk about. There are things it says that can deter that. Um, you can read in Hosea, I'm not going to turn there, but they use the language of the Old Testament. It says whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. I mean, you've got to kind of distill those into today. And I think what it's just talking about, and then it says, my people ask counsel at their stocks. And that's not the stock market stocks. That means idols. And their staff declares unto them, for the spirit of whoredoms has caused them to err, and they have gone whoring from under their God. It's very uh, rigorous language that, that Hosea uses by the spirit of God, talking to the children of Israel. And really what it means is that their source was not God. Really what it means is that their source was uh, bound to this earth. It just means the things that they revered in their minds and in their hearts. That's where the source they derive their input from. Uh, let, let me say I've derived quite a bit of input from my opinion about something. And <clears throat> this place is full of opinions. I guess you know that. But not just this place. Every place is full of opinions. Every family is full of opinions. Every church is full of opinions. Every organization is full of opinions. Richard was... No? Not, not everyone else is there. The, Richard made a comment about, do we need more nervous systems in the room? Because <laughs> we have a variety. We have uh, so many different thoughts about so many different things. And um, it's unity is of the spirit. It's not unity of uh, the consensus. It's not unity of opinion. It's <clears throat> sometimes that happens for a while. You know, you get somebody to, it's a very dangerous thing around here. You can get somebody to agree with you when you shouldn't. Um, please don't be afraid to disagree with someone when they say something. It's, it's healthy. We need disagreement. And we don't all, none of us like it. I like people to agree with my opinion. You know, but really it's, it's good if, you, if, if it's genuine that you don't sometimes and ask the question and say, I don't agree with this. You know, I don't think what you said. And, um, and it's, you might get a reaction or something, but it's better to do that than <coughs> agree with the wrong thing. But what, what God is really after is that the source, the source of life would be Him. That would be the constancy working in our lives. That his, the source of our existence, the source of our responses, the source of our thoughts would be Him. <coughs> and, <coughs> excuse me. And so I want to look over in Romans 10. I'm not going to be very long. I, you know, if you pray hard, it can be done in 15 minutes. Yep. And, you know, why preachers say that is if they go long, they blame the congregation for not listening or for not praying hard enough or whatever. 
Well, um, Romans 10.6 says, The righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise, Say not in your heart who shall ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what does it say? The word is nigh you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You see, what, what, the, what Paul is getting to here is he's saying what that uh, the life of Christ in you is what you need to have contact with. That must be the source that you live by. It says, it's not that you have to have something out of heaven that's, that, that hits you. And, and I'm, I'm okay with something out of heaven hitting me. And every one of us has had that experience. Paul had a very profound experience where something out of heaven hit him. And he knocked him and he changed his whole course. I, I, I want to, let me give you a little testimony that, um, you know, we all, as parents, uh, perhaps one of the greatest concerns we have is the, our children. And I think you can get dealt with uh, the most of your children. They can get to you, you know, they, uh, and, and you, you worry about them, you, you know. And so, um, you know, obviously I, I have concerns about my son and still at 41. You know, it doesn't matter how old they get. Um, they just uh, still... I, I wonder what's happening today. <laughs> um, but uh, so um, he, he uh, is involved with a lot of soccer with his son, you know, and so he takes him where he can to get, you know, a greater participation and with better, better level of play and all that. And so he went down to Anchorage, he found out he could go down to Anchorage and take his son. And, and play against this elite group and play with them. And anyway, so they were down there for a week. And, and one of the fathers of one of the other kids that was participating in the same program, he invited Nathaniel to stay down in his house. And he's a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force down there. He's a pilot. And um, he, uh, Nathaniel comes to his house. And says, Nathaniel was weird about you know staying in a stranger's house, just like me. You know, I do that a lot. But it seems like well, I'd rather get a hotel. You know? <laughs> You know, but so but the guy and his wife were really kind and sweet, and, and brought them in the house, and, and it was a big, beautiful home. And and apparently, Nathaniel didn't know this, but he's but the guy is an extremely committed uh, uh, spiritual Christian. And uh, they got down to um, one time, they finally they get down to this exchange where the guy poured his heart up to Nathaniel. Talked about his he had a, a, a on the road to Damascus. Uh, conversion that was so profound it changed his whole life and that was you know 25 years ago or whatever it was and um, and that of course influenced Nathaniel to tell him about his whole upbringing and to talk about all those things and they and, and the guy hasn't stopped having contact with him and, and I thought God you know you, you do watch out for your children wherever they go and you know I didn't I couldn't orchestrate that I, I Quit preaching to him unless, of course, he gives any hint or indication that he might want a message. Um, I'm ready, but uh, but you know, God is God is working, and 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 I'm okay. And I'm thankful. I, I thought, what a beautiful man for him to run into. He's he's fully committed. He's got these high standards, and you know, 
Nathaniel's going, oh my God, where have I come? You know, and he's not, Nathaniel doesn't, he doesn't miss it. He understands, uh-oh, you know. He said, he has told me that, Dad, my experience is that God has hounded me. I wasn't that I have decided to follow Jesus. He's kind of tracked me down, and, uh, you know, which I think is true. Anyway, once again, God was tracking one of his children down. And, um, and, and, and I'm happy for those experiences that come out of heaven. And, but really, um, on a regular basis, that isn't an everyday occurrence. And I'm not saying I don't wish it was. <laughs> Right? We all like those. Things that come directly out of heaven and move and they break and they, and they intersect and all that. And, but, but what really is of significance in the, in the writing here is that there is a, the life of Christ within you. The word of life in you. And, and God wants that developed to the point that it comes out of you. And out of me. And uh, so that's what the writer's saying. You don't have to try to make something happen. If there's nothing that happens in the visible realm, it doesn't matter. Sometimes it happens great, but it doesn't matter. What matters is that you're in contact with that, the life of Christ in you. And um, so then it says, if you confess with your mouth. And, and I thought, How, what, a, what a war that is. And James describes it really clearly in James 3. I don't know if I want to turn there, but because it's an upsetting passage. He said, two things come out. Can two things come out of the same fountain? Bless, blessing and cursing, sweet and bitter. And I, I think there's a restlessness here at Whitestone Farms because we still have two things that come out of the fountain. And we know in our hearts, we got to have one thing that comes out of the fountain. You say, well, the life we now live is Christ, and we chalk it up to immaturity and lack of growth. And we can say all that, but really it gets down to uh, the source that, that I may be living by is a source out of my own soul, out of the natural, earthly uh, program. I'm not talking about dark, big, dark, black things. I'm talking about just normal human reasoning. Just normal human response. What the Bible calls reasonable is in Romans 12. Offer yourself, present your body as a living sacrifice. It's your reasonable service. I always thought that was such a funny word they put there. That's reasonable. That's what God calls reasonable. He doesn't call our our, our, our own, the source of our own natural mind is reasonable. <clears throat> and I think what God is doing in that is that he, he, He's narrowing down so that what comes out of us is, is, is blessing. What comes out of us is sweet. What comes out of us is a, the, the flow of charity out of your heart. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. 
Uh, it's talking about spiritual gifts. It's talking about speaking in tongues. It's talking about prophesying. Verse 12 sums it all up. It says, Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel. That means superabound quantity or quality. Uh, cause to superabound. To exceed, increase, over and above to the edifying of the church. I think that would be something worthwhile to seek here. Seek to edify the church. You know, the church is really important to God. And I don't mean, uh, when I say the church, I don't mean White Stone Farms community. I don't mean the Baptist church. I don't mean the, the, uh, the churches that are in the area or the churches around the world. I mean, I don't mean that they're not a part of the church. But the church of God are those that are called out, that God called out. You can read the start of that or the... What, look, that's not true. It's not the start of it, but it's a visible demonstration of it. It's when God called out Abram. Or Abram. He said, come out, and I'll show you where we're going to go later. And he came out. And um, that's what, of course, the word church in the New Testament means. That means called out. Those that are called out. So you've been called out for the purpose, the eternal purpose of God. You've been called out for his pleasure. That's your purpose. And um, I see that God has a twofold purpose um, in the church. And I'll just refer to it. Um, in Ephesians 3, it says he's going to make known his manifold wisdom to the principalities and powers by the church. He's going to reveal his great wisdom by the church. Isn't that interesting? And he says he's going to reveal it to the principalities and powers. So I see it as twofold because I think that is happening in a hidden place. Because you and I don't, and I know sometimes people get on the edge and they see, see stuff. Um, that makes me a little nervous. I just soon not see principalities and powers. I mean, you can feel them. But the things that rule in this earth, God is going to demonstrate because it says the whole world is not lieth under the wicked one right now. And that's evident. And it doesn't mean that God isn't sovereign and over all. But he's allowed this. He, he that will let, you know, he that lets will let. He's letting it go on until it comes to the full. I don't know what the full looks like. I've been astonished already. But what he's doing in a hidden place with his church, he's demonstrating every time you put down some other influence ruling over you because of the source that you're living by, every time you put down whatever principality and power that works in this world here, because you call upon the name of the Lord, because you say, Lord, I want this, 
I don't want to have this response. I don't want this ruling over me. Lord, I don't want to say this about so-and-so. I don't want to think this about so-and-so. I don't want to be an unbelief, Lord. Whatever the ruling thing is floating through the air, when you put that down by the Spirit of God, there's a demonstration going on in the spirit realm to the principalities and powers, the manifold wisdom of God to deposit His Spirit within you that enables you to not live under the authorities that work in this earth in an unseen realm. It is not meaningless. It is, you don't waste a minute when you get on your knees and say, Lord, I don't want to respond this way. I don't like what's coming out. Lord, please give me that grace to put that thing under my feet because of the power of your spirit here, because of the power of the life of Christ here. That is what he's doing. That is such a, such a significant work that's going on in the church. Those that are called out, that's being demonstrated right now, perhaps right this minute, but every single day. When you put something under your feet because of the Spirit of God working in you and the principalities are not ruling, the ones that work in this earth are not ruling. Let me tell you a big principality and power that's working in this earth and it's more evident than it ever has been in my lifetime. And I didn't live through the Civil War, obviously, because it was working then too, but the power of division. And not only out in the world, that is a principality. Put that under your feet. Seek to put it under your feet. There's no finished vessel in this place. So there'll always be reason, perhaps, to be offended. Look close enough. Somebody had the brilliant idea of living together. And you see a lot of stuff. God's doing a work in a secret place. He's demonstrating His manifold wisdom to deposit in humans the very life of His Son. And when you stay in that place, in the life of Christ, you don't have to be subject to things like division. Don't allow yourself. Don't give yourself room, regardless of what's staring you in the face. Say, Lord, I'm not going to be divided. Please, Lord, please. Not that we're any match against principalities. I never bought into going to a city and binding the principality over the sea. I got a full plate right here. God's doing that in a secret place in the heart of his saints, in the heart of his church. And then there's a second, I think, work. And you can see this in Jesus' life because he had 30 years of obscurity. We know a few things. But then there came a time where uh, his father took the cover off. Right? And in Ezekiel 47, um, it talks about 
You can look at it yourself. I won't read it. I've got to read it, but I'm not good. I just looked at the clock. So in Ezekiel 47, there's, uh, you know, the, they're looking through that, um, taking to the temple, and out of the temple, at the bottom of the threshold, is waters flowing out. What's coming out? Because you're the temple. And you know, it's a progression. It's just to the ankles at first. Right? And maybe we've experienced some ankle life coming up. But then it goes to the knees, and then it goes to the loins, and then it's waters to swim in. I think that's the second part of what God wants to do with His church, that what comes out of them flows a river of living water. Like it waters to swim in. But you know the promise, what it says? It says everything that it touches, it heals. The world doesn't need better preaching or bigger churches. It needs the life flowing out of human agency. The manifold wisdom of God uh, shown that if you walk under the Spirit of God, if you stay in that place of the life of Christ, what will flow out of you, and it's a progressive work. I don't, not all at once, but He will bring it to the place where what only comes out of you is rivers to swim in, and it's a river of life, and that's what the whole creation needs. That's what the earth needs. It doesn't mean need eloquent preaching. It doesn't need more, more good ideas about how to. And um, <laughs> I took, took issue with uh, the other day with Bill saying, uh, the benefit of the community was being able to buy corporately. Or, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, it's fine. I mean, I, I agree there's a benefit. You know. But you didn't get together to form a food co-op. And neither did I. I could live frugally by myself. You got together because God intended from the very beginning that charity out of the pure heart would come out of you in the same way that it's come out of Him. And it's a river. His intention is a river that people would have to swim in. It's so big. Not a trickle. Don't despise the day of small trickles. That's sort of the scripture. The beginnings. So that's why it says, because of the work in the church, in the secret place, it says, when you pray, Matthew 6, go into your closet, shut the door. And your father who sees in secret, what's the result of that? The secret hidden work that's going on. The result is he'll reward you openly. And there will be no greater reward than the river of life coming out of you. There isn't a bigger reward than that. God all in all. So let me just get to one central point today. And it's in John 15.
I don't want to read all this. But he says, verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. That means to stay. It means to remain. It means to be under. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth. Brings forth out of you much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. See, the key is that you and I, and I don't want to just say abide, I just want to say seek to abide. Because you and I know it's seeking to abide. Because we, you just stay with God. You say, Lord, please, I, I will potentially, Lord, uh, allow something else to come out of me that I won't be pleased with afterward. Yeah. You, know, you say something out of your mouth as a comedian that, you know, he says, he says something comes out of his mouth with his wife and he's trying to grab the words back. You know, he's trying to, impossible to get those things back. You know, so seek to abide. Every day, seek to abide. Lord, here I am. I don't feel anything. I don't sense anything. Uh, if you want to sneak in a, a miraculous, demonstrable touch from heaven, I'm okay with that. But really, I don't know what I need. I'm just seeking to abide in the vine, Lord. That's a, that's a daily thing. That's a daily exercise. And I just want to close with uh, Romans 5. This is a process that's demonstrated here. We were there in the beginning, but I'm going to go up a little higher. This is the reason for difficulty. Uh, therefore, being justified, verse 1, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse 3. And not only so. But we glory in tribulations. We glory in trouble. Knowing that trouble. Worketh. Patience. And that's. That word is similar to that abiding word. In John 15. It means to stay under. And, and the abiding means to remain. In a place. So trouble works. Patience. You know, uh, just because you have trouble, it doesn't always work patience. Sometimes it works frustration. Sometimes it works uh, <coughs> exasperation. Sometimes it works volcanic explosion. Right? And you don't always know where you are until trouble comes. Because I've said amen in so many safe places. You know, only to be fooled into believing that my amen meant it was written on my heart. And now it's just a matter of it coming out. And then something else comes out. And I realize that perhaps <clears throat> it didn't immediately produce that staying under. But God intends 
the, the reason trouble works is because it lifts us out of living <coughs> on the earth. Because you say, I must find another source of life. This one's not working. Because what's coming out of me is frustration, irritation, offense. I must find another source. And so can work patience staying under, staying in the vine. And, and while that is happening, and as long as it happens, and this isn't just like it happens on a Tuesday. Because if it was just on a Tuesday, right, you can do it all day long and then have dessert. <laughs> doesn't happen that way. This is ongoing. <clears throat> but it says, and, you know, I understand we all, you know, trouble really, dis really um, can discover the source we're living by. And that's so important. You know, it's not for condemnation to find out you're still attached to the earth. It's to get out of it. Right? It reveals the source we're living by. And, um, <clears throat> and then this staying under this patience that can be worked because of this trouble. It, 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 something's going on in the inside. And you know what it is? It's experience. It's proven character is being developed. The proven character of Christ. Not Christ. Christ. Right here. The proven character of Christ. Is being developed. Isn't, isn't that what you're looking for? The proven, genuine, new man working. And because of that, there's hope. Because the source of hope is Christ in you. The hope of glory. It works hope. Because that it's actually going on that this proven character is being developed. The character of Christ is being developed in you. And the result of that is the love of God <coughs> is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The result is that the love of God, you can look up shed, shed abroad. It means to distribute largely or to gush forth. That process is for the purpose of charity out of a pure heart, not just a trickle. Gush forth a large, large distribution of who God is through the likes of us. So God help us that we seek to abide every day. Amen. Thank you. Convicting word. Be aware of what we we're distributing. Since the uh, Ramirez's have made a, a commitment, they God has worked um, them into our hearts in recent years. Um, but they, you know, we said this before. They they have felt really to <laughs> voice, you know, that this is where they feel to serve and where God has led them and to make this their own. And I, you know, I, 
I said I felt like God's going to be requiring more of them, and there's going to be a distribution of the life that both of them have been under and lived uh, that will influence. They hold more than they realize, they hold more influence. No longer will, in particular, Brother Abel be a safe place. He, he may be dangerous if you go to him for counsel or input. You know, you don't know what you're going to get, but you'll, he'll, he will distribute the life of Christ that he's been under. And uh, what we, the word in part, uh, it means to grant or bestow on another a share or portion of something. And we've always said the life, the source, excuse me, remember this one, the source determines the life. Whatever you're feeding on, whatever I'm feeding on, that's the life I'm going to be given. I was thinking, you know, when you're in trouble, you really are desperate. It's like you don't need to be instructed on who, where to seek help. I would venture to say most of us would not be going to someone that we, that Maybe uh, we would be looking, I'll just say like that, we would be going to somebody that we really feel is connected and, and has been abiding and has a relationship that can give us life. You need somebody to give you life when you are desperate. You don't need somebody that's been in the shallows to, to impart that to you, right? Um, Paul, was it, no, John says, and this is scary. That which we have seen and heard, First John, declare we unto you. Whatever you and I have been feeding on, that's what we, unknowingly and knowingly, will be distributed. That's what people, that's the takeaway that people get. When we stay under Christ, we're, we're going to feed. And I wonder sometimes the contention here is that we deal with in our midst um, is the result possibly of trying to convince another of something that has not been working? Can shields up? You ever get shields up with someone? Like you, you could be saying the right things, but they're shields up. Like how come they're not? They're resisting, and perhaps it's because I'm just waxing. And there's a lot of hot air. I use that expression. And I'll, I'll close with this. This is in uh, Deuteronomy. It says. Uh, and it takes us back kind of where Father Young started. Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. And you think that, what, what is that? What was that? Whatever Moses was under, when he laid hands, there, there was impartation that, that enabled him to walk, Joshua to walk in wisdom that's not carnal, not natural. And that's what he was saying, you know, like um, Solomon's prayer, Lord, we, we do not know. We need your help. We don't want, don't lead me to my own natural. Anyway, there's impartation here. And just be, I think the, the Lord would want us to be aware of, in particular, where we've been abiding. Where are you abiding? What, what really is first? Because that's, that's what we have to distribute.